So the Bible reading this evening is Psalm 138, and that's on page 627 of the Church Bibles. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name. For your unfailing love and your faithfulness, For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called you, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Thank you very much, Elaine. Let's have that open in front of us. It's uh, page six, well, most of us on page 628, isn't it, of our church Bibles. And let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you that we've got the opportunity to uh, look at these eight Psalms of David between Uh, now and Easter, and they're there really as part of our Lent course as well, as we focus on our walk with you. And so we pray, Lord, that you might speak to us tonight and every time we uh, study these psalms together over these next few weeks. Lord, please speak to us tonight. We need you to. We pray you'd speak to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Um, You know these uh, kind of pictures within a picture. So, for instance, can you see two pictures there? Yeah, there's a a face, isn't there? And there's a girl. Is she sucking her thumb or something? I can't see. Anyway, that one's fairly straightforward. Um, Now, I've got a bit of a funny eye, which doesn't do these things very well. I'm told there's a picture within a picture there. I can't see it. Can anyone else see anything? No, it's probably not there. But anyway, I was, uh, I was told there was something there. It's not just zebras, but there's, there's something else going on there. But anyway, just so you're not distracted and spend the rest of the sermon checking it out. Um, well, we're on Psalm 138. Now, <clears throat> the thing is, I really don't think we can understand Psalm 138 uh, until we've really grasped that here there is a picture within the picture. There is something underlying here, which is absolutely fundamental to our understanding. Um, And here, uh, we see a picture just kind of along under the surface, but especially at the beginning, it just creeps up. There are words and ideas and and so on, which are, are describing God's covenant, binding, loving agreement between him and his people. Now, covenants are very common in ordinary, everyday life. I'm wearing a sign of a covenant. It's my wedding ring. 
and uh, uh, that is a covenant, a binding agreement between two people. A wedding is, and or marriage is. And uh, uh, we're looking at these eight Psalms of David. Uh, they're grouped together. They're starting here in 138. And uh, we need to know that David was, uh, had a special covenant. God had a special covenant with David. And uh, uh, it was, um, you may want to look at it later on, we won't turn to it now, but it's in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And there's a whole string of promises, one after the other after the other, which God is making to David there. So in 2 Samuel 7, in verse 9, I'll make your name great. In verse 10, uh, I will give you a place for my people. These are just some of them. Verse 10, I will build a house for you. In other words, a dynasty. Uh, in verse 13, your son is going to build my temple. And this is probably the biggest one, verse 16. Your throne, David, will go on forever and ever and ever. And of course, through Jesus, David's descendant, it does for all eternity. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of covenant language and ideas and so on here. Um, and it's not just that David wrote it, he is thinking covenant as he wrote it. And you can see it very clearly. So, for instance, uh, in verse 2, temple, uh, uh, not one yet, but it's promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 13 in the covenant. Um, Then there is special covenant love. So, in the middle of verse 2, it talks about your unfailing love. Now, if you were to look at that in the original language, there is a special word. In the Hebrew, it's hesed. And that is a word for God's covenant love for us. And that's right there in verse 2 there, for instance. Towards the end of verse 2, we see about these solemn decree and decrees. That's another covenant idea and covenant words. You go on to verse 4 to hear what you have decreed. Covenant language. The Lord's commitment to persevere and to save and not abandon his people in verse 7. Covenant is there again. And uh, David is writing here, verse 8, you see, it's all loaded more covenant ideas. Your love in Lord endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. That's more covenant ideas. Okay? There's a lot of covenant stuff going on. Covenant is the bloodstream which flows through this psalm. And I would say all the psalms that we're going to be looking at between now and Easter. That is the picture within the picture. And the covenant of course points forward to Jesus. The greater David. And uh, so, for instance, Christopher Ash, writing on this, wrote this of the covenant promises. They were proved true when Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth sang this psalm, when he publicly made the Father known in the face of wicked hostility, when he died, was raised, and ascended into the place of all authority, waiting for the day when all the kings of the earth will indeed bow before him. So you see in Psalm 138, covenant is very significant. It's that background there. And uh, what is this encouraging us to do? What is it encouraging David to do? What is it encouraging us to do today? Well, it's this, simply to stand tall with your covenant God. Now, why would you need to be reminded that you've got to stand tall? Well, that's the first point, uh, which is simply this difficult times. Difficult times. So in difficult times, we need to be reminded to stand tall with our covenant gods. 
For David, well, we don't know his exact circumstances, but you look at the psalm and you can see difficult times for him. So in verse 1, before the gods, in inverted commas, I will sing your praises. Most likely before the gods of the surrounding nations, the idols, the pagan gods, uh, worshipped by the nations who are hostile. Uh, to God's people and who surrounded Israel. Those countries uh, were a consistent threat to the future existence of God's people. Difficult times. You look in verse 7, look at the beginning of verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. We don't know what it was, but then he goes on in verse 7. Stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. Was that a civil war? Was it the threat of the uh, surrounding nations? Well, we're not sure. But we do know that there were some serious issues for King David and his country that they would be facing, that he had faced in the past and that they were going to face in the future. And in verse 8 again, look at that. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Again, it's clearly implied struggles with enemies, with foes, with uh, life in general. And he knows he needs God and he's crying out to God to save him and to stay with him through this life, through these difficult times. So where is this psalm most helpful for us? I think it's going to be most helpful for us when we're facing the struggles in life, when we're facing the difficult times, when it seems that the world is against us or when the world actually is against us you're facing struggles psalm 138 is a good psalm to read i've read it with uh, uh, two or three people who i visited just recently because it's a great psalm for times uh, when you're struggling with things and troubles abound don't they when maybe uh, there could be really significant things maybe for you at the moment there are smaller things but same family or Health, or at work, or no work, with exams, or uh, with our children, or in the church, or with our parents, or whatever. Um, it's, it's part of a vicar's job, isn't it, to uh, walk alongside people. And, uh, uh, and I've, um, I'm not going to mention anything. In, I'm going to give you a little list. Not one of them is actually, I'm thinking directly about anyone here, but just other folks from other places who have had these struggles, I've been in touch with them just in these last week or so. But things like uh, bereavement, health, mental health, deep disappointment, relationships breaking up, elderly parents, troubled past, loneliness, challenges to ministry, challenges to the gospel, and so on. The list just goes on and on and on. We all face troubles and difficulties from time to time. Maybe your life at the moment is fine and it's great, and I'm delighted for you. But because of the world we live in, it won't carry on like that all the time. And as you walk alongside other folks who are going through really difficult times, and, and sometimes they can, they can come really quite suddenly, you're not expecting it. Those times will come. And this psalm is a really good one for troublesome times, because it recognises that, it encourages us to stand tall 
with our covenant God. And it gives us good reasons to do that. So it's not just saying, yeah, chin up, it'll be okay. Take a deep breath, you can get through this, it'll be fine. No. To do that, to say that, would be rather crass. Far from it, though, in this psalm. Let's dig a little bit deeper and see how it encourages us and builds us up in difficult times. So that's the first thing, difficult times. But at well, dare we say it, a defiant faith. Defiant faith basically because we've got a covenant God who is committed to us in love. A covenant God who we know loves us more than you could possibly ever, ever imagine and will go on loving us more than we could possibly ever, ever imagine forever. And so you can see here, David's got a bit of a, you know, I'm going to stand up and be counted here. So you see in verse 1, for instance, just flick over the page there, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. Verse 2, I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. Yeah, I know things are tough. I know I'm getting it from all sides. I know we're going through really choppy waters or maybe much worse than that. But I will still have you there as a focus of my life. I will still ask, look at verse 4, this is tremendous, big things. I'm going to ask these big things. I know life's tough, but I'm going to still pray this. Lord, may all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. Christians down history have been able to stand tall with their covenant God, who is committed to us in love. He loves us. Absolutely, totally committed to us in love. Now, how can we have a defiant faith like that? How can we have a faith that looks troubles in the eye and stands tall? How can we have a faith like that? Well, the answer rests with God, our God. So look at verse 3. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. Now, he wouldn't have been bold unless God had answered his prayer, it seems to me, is what it's saying. You greatly emboldened me. Emboldened me. Or you made me resilient. You made me resilient. Um, there's, uh, uh, a, there's a guy called Henry Mole. Well, there was. He's uh, in glory now. But he wrote this. There is no situation so chaotic that God cannot, from that situation, create something that is surpassingly good. He did it at creation. He did it at the cross. He's doing it today. Resilience. It's something big today, isn't it? You know, everyone tells us, oh, we're supposed to be resilient people. Now, a number of weeks ago, I uh, I told you about my godson. This was before Christmas, who was rowing the Atlantic. Yeah? Now, I just want to show you this picture. All right? He's the guy on the left, okay? He's looking up with the uh, 
big muscles. Actually, they've both got big muscles, haven't they? But anyway, Dave's, Dave, my godsons, our godsons on the left there, and, uh, uh, and uh, they arrived in Antigua. There's still two girls, I uh, looked up this afternoon, 219 nautical miles out. They're the last two who are going to make it, and I think they ought to have the best welcome ever when they get to Antigua. It'll probably take them another week to get there. Well, I do hope they have a great welcome party. But that's uh, Dave uh, and Alex arriving. Uh, They came first in the pairs, and they broke the world record. And I'm rather a proud godfather. Um, But the thing, you see, look at the boat. Look what they called it. Resilient. Resilient X. Don't know what the X is for, but resilient. Now, Christians are meant to be resilient. We're not all meant to row the Atlantic. You know, what crazy idea. But we're meant to be resilient. How? Well, Psalm 138 helps us. It's not just that God answers our prayer. It's because of what God is like. Because he is our covenant God. Now, look at the end of verse 2. End of verse 2, I don't think it makes any sense at all. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. What on earth does that mean? I think that's just, if you can explain that to me, I'd love to know. Um, anyway, but if you look that up in a number of other, tra- it's a bit complicated, I won't go into the technical stuff, um, but it's probably better, uh, has exalted above everything your name and your words. You have exalted above everything your name and your word. That is our God, who is raised above all in glory and power, both his name and what is said, which in context, it's all about a covenant, must be his commitment to us in his covenant. God is exalted. He's lifted high above all in the universe. And he's committed to us in his covenant love. And then look at verse 6. Though the Lord is exalted... He looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. What a combination. That God, our God, far greater than you could ever dare to imagine. And far nearer than you could ever dare to hope. That's our God, and kind, and perfectly caring, and with us. Kind and caring. I think verse 6 is glorious. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. And we are the lowly, aren't we? We are the lowly. When troubles hit, we're even more the lowly. And God looks kindly. As one commentator noted, what a privilege that we shall be looked kindly on by such a king. Unspeakable wonder that we should be served by such a king. And then when you read verse 6 again, Isn't that just pointing us to Jesus? Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. The one who became lowly himself. The one who became weak and frail. 
and poor and limited and vulnerable and nothing. This glorious combination of power and meekness, of greatness and humility, all in one man, infinitely greater than all other gods. And this is our God. This is the God who lives in our hearts, in our lives, by his Spirit, our covenant God. This is the God who is committed to us. And as we gaze on him, and as, in particular as we gaze on his steadfast love and faithfulness made known to us in Christ Jesus, see if we don't find our praise becoming more and more wholehearted, even or perhaps especially in our troubles. Someone called it, uh, something I read, uh, confrontational praise, springing from a defiant faith. Yeah, I know things are hard. I wish life hadn't turned out like this. But I'm in a covenant with my unfailingly loving and faithful covenant God, verse 2 who loves me and knows me and protects me, end of verse 7, and will never abandon me and will get me to heaven. And that's what my God is like. I'm going to put all my faith in him, a defiant faith. Yeah, I know things are tough. I know things can be tough. I know things might get even tougher in the future. But God is my God. He's my covenant God, and he loves me with an everlasting God, so I can stand tall with my covenant God. Difficult times. Difficult, defiant faith. And, uh, don't know if you can read that, a definite future. Those who have uh, a defiant faith stand tall with their covenant God. This psalm tells us have a definite future. I mean, look at verse 8, especially. The Lord, look at this confidence, will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. What a great confidence. What a great trust. All based on God's covenant love. And this love goes to the end. And then beyond. This love goes to eternity. And gives us a great confidence of a definite future. Again, look at verses 7 and 8. Look at the confidence here. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. It's a confidence that even dark seasons of life will ultimately one day be woven into glorious tapestry. Of God's grace. Uh, two or three weeks ago, uh, I mentioned the book Tumbling Sky. I then gave it to someone, so I can't hold it up, and I've ordered another one, but I, I imagine it's on its way. And uh, <clears throat> and in there, there is this little um, quotation: "Would the Father have given up His own Son to die for us?" only then to lose us from his grip later on. 
Would the Son have endured such agony for us if his ultimate intention for us was not to do us good? He will one day welcome me to glory because God's steadfast covenant love endures forever. Life may be tough at the moment. If it isn't now, it will be at some point. And if we don't need Psalm 138 tonight, you will then. Or you may be able to help someone else and share it with them. Maybe tonight. Maybe on the phone or send someone a text. God's covenant love, his committed covenant love, means that although he's exalted, he looks kindly on us, on you, right now. And whatever comes, he is still there in his love and his kindness. And he gets involved. It says here to save us, to vindicate us, to bring us safely to heaven. Because God is this kind of God. This kind of God. And so with a defiant faith and with a definite future let's stand tall with our covenant God. Let's pray. For we simply ask that you would let your word seep down deep into our hearts and minds, our souls. Remind us of the love you have for us, the commitment you have made to your people, the covenant. And Lord, please, would you renew our trust and help us to stand tall with you, our covenant God. For your name's sake. Amen.